In this episode, we wait until Stuart is out of the country before watching the movie about nubile sorority sisters. We discuss Sorority Row. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalin. I'm Eric Zuckerman. Yes, uh, Z- Zuckerman. Uh, is that what I said? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say it as well as you. I believe what you said was Zuckerman. I'm pretty sure that's, that that's a it. bad imitation. I've been calling you Zuckerman all this Zuckerman. time. Zuckerman. Yes. But you say Zuckerman. Zuck- I say Zuckerman, yeah. Oh. But Zuckerman is but acceptable. But not Zuckerman. Okay. Zuckerman what about is the only one I don't like. Superman. No, I have been called that. Uh, but Zuckerman. Well, in inevitable Flophouse fashion, <laughs> we've alienated the audience right off Instant the bat. Instant tangent. Just um, add Flophouse. The point is, uh, before we got distracted, we were going to introduce <laughs> Eric, our guest, who is stepping in for Stuart, who is nude on the Mexican Riviera With his as lover. we speak. Yeah. I have no comment on that. <laughs> but, um, and we, we tried to get in. I, I have been, when you said nude on the Mexican Riviera, I had an image of Stuart in a backpack and pith helmet climbing nude up the side of a Mayan <laughs> pyramid <laughs> and shouting down to somebody who's taking pictures of him at ground to level. His, to, his, uh, to his lover. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Who's getting a good uh, angle on his taint from down there. Wow. Anyway. Is that what goes on in this show? Uh, well, sometimes. So, yeah, we tried to get the whole gang back together last week, uh, but it didn't work out, uh, partly because I was having no surgery. You were um, having no surgery? Then what's yeah, the problem? you need to enunciate better. I was having nose surgery. Nose surgery, yeah. I mean, everything's fine. A zero amount <laughs> no, of surgery. That pun would work if <laughs> surgery was actually a word. But, you, yeah, you had some uh, an operation done on your, on your nasal mm-hmm. area. Do I sound different, listeners? Write in and tell me whether the uh, resonance of my nasal cavity is changing my voice. Mm-hmm. It does sound like your septum is less deviated. Yeah, a little bit mm-hmm. less deviant. Yeah, deviant. It was living a yeah. de- deviant <laughs> lifestyle. My before. septum, the, the the pornography that my septum has been looking at recently has been very vanilla. Wow, good good to know. <laughs> but uh, Eric, yes, sir, you <laughs> are an actor. I am. You have had. Um, You've been in major speaking, motion pictures. Speaking roles in Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. I have. True. Baby Mama. That's true, another one. True. The Bounty John, Hunter in theaters now. John Adams. True. True. The, the, the HBO, HBO series. miniseries. True. Can you do the line that you did in um, either John Adams or War of the Worlds? I'll leave it up to you. Um, okay. Uh, wow. That's, you know, I mean, a lot of prep goes into the... <laughs> I don't. I honestly. I. I don't think I actually remember my uh, the exact words of the War of the Worlds at the moment. You're but playing the character who's listed in the credits as Doomsday Guy. That is correct. correct. Doomsday Guy. Uh, in John Adams, I played Thomas McCain, Senator, or John McCain's uh, father. Not no. <laughs> John McCain's son. <laughs> well, <laughs> John, John McCain's granddaughter. <laughs> no. No. Uh, I represented from the great state of Delaware uh, to the great. Continental 
Congress. I'm, I mean, it's a great state. Thank I'm, you. Uh, so is the Delaware representative to the Continental Congress? Yes, one of the three, but yeah. Uh, and my line in that, uh, so I do answer Dan's question, I don't want to alienate him so early <laughs> in the show, uh, was leave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you said it was so much urgency. Yeah, there was the more urgency. But I'm not giving you the whole performance. It's, in mean, context, it was really a beautiful moment. It well, was, yeah. Elliot tipped this already, but I wanted to ask. Um, oh. Now you're in The Bounty Hunter. I am. Theaters now. I am. Starring Gerard Butler. As yes. Dog. Um, no, that's not, no. Now we have done... Is Boba Fett? <laughs> two Gerard Butler films on the Flophouse... We did two, actually, in rapid succession. Yeah, uh, very just, close together. Just a couple months ago. Was that obsession, would you say? Well, I, well, I, well, I want to turn that around to you and ask, do you think that you're um, ruining your career by appearing on our podcast? <laughs> Have you made a powerful enemy? Um, I, don't, I don't think You've so. You've awoken a I, sleeping giant, I, Eric. <laughs> Named Gerard Butler. <laughs> I don't. I don't He's um, got narcolepsy. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think. I I'd, hope not. On the I, set, was it like hard to work with him because he was in the middle of so many anti-flophouse tirades? I didn't actually come up. I have to say, like these kind of Christian Bale level just mm-hmm. rants against the flophouse. I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think. I mean, I'm. I don't think you're on his radar. I'm sorry. Who did you? Whose radar are we on then? <laughs> you're, you're you're tuned into Hollywood. <laughs> All the Hollywood players. Who's angry at us now? Uh, well, I I know that. Um, oh, let's just say. <laughs> I mean, we've had a long run. We've on. had a, we've had a long running feud with Elias Codius, but you know. <laughs> well, that perhaps is because you're pronouncing his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he should get a real name. They don't pronounce it right. You hear that, Elias? So, this uh, is why we've had a feud for a while. I can understand. Casey You're... Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. So for those <laughs> listeners who have seen uh, The Bounty Hunter in theaters now, uh, yeah. who do you play in that film? Uh, I play I play a, uh, a cop who gives some information to Gerard Butler towards the end of the movie, so I don't want to spoil it for whoever. Uh, but... Uh, not that it's I could spoil it really, but um, <laughs> that would happen from the minute they bought the ticket for the bounty <laughs> hunter. Whoa! I didn't actually mean it in that context, <laughs> his, but no, that's his, not uh, bread wagon. That's, his that's meal not what his I was... bread wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that before. His, that's because it was me. Listen, this is his meat bucket we're talking about. <laughs> you never heard it because that was me grasping for an idiomatic phrase that I did not have on the tip of my tongue. Uh, that was not actually how I intended to say that, but... This uh, is his milk sponge here. Yes, my... Wow. My cracker barrel, if you will. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Delicious. So, do you think that's a racist uh, slur against whites, by the way, the cracker barrel? I don't think so, <laughs> no. It's no. a barrel full of crackers yeah. so. that you would have at a general store. <laughs> People, we didn't always live in a world of prepackaged crackers, Dan. Okay. Sometimes you had to scoop them up out of a barrel. Um, so Gerard Butler seemed like a nice guy. He did. I. It's funny. I. I actually. I. In the movie, uh, I have a conversation with him over the phone. In reality, I did not. When I was shooting my scene, I had no contact with him at all. Okay. That's movie magic, everyone. Hmm. Movies. Well, I just want—I just want to—I just want to say it. I just wanted to ask the question because. Uh, but no, he did. There's I, no I, personal hard feelings. No, no, will no that we bear against Gerard No, Butler. he seems like a very nice, charismatic he is, guy. Yes, he, he was great. I mean, he, I met him briefly, but he's he was just fire agent. Is all we're saying. Uh, or, uh, if you read your own scripts, get better taste. 
Wow. Now that was directly to him because he's listening. <laughs> yeah, he listens every week going, well, you, Lovehouse! You were telling us how he was so enraged earlier, so I assume that <laughs> Pretty was, sure that was you saying that <laughs> I don't and me think saying so. no. Okay. But we could play it back. No. <laughs> okay. Too much work. You know what? Let's look at the tape, yeah. Um, so the point of or this not. long introduction is that we watched a film tonight. <laughs> <laughs> really, that was the point. Because <laughs> we were dancing around that point pretty well. And, um, you know, I don't know if you're aware of the premise of the show, guys, but the premise is that we watch a movie that we assume to be bad. But there, we hold out hope that it'll be good. hold out hope that it might be good, and then we discuss it, round table, afterwards. Okay. This table is a square. I can see you I, 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 I wasn't going to say it. I didn't want to embarrass well, you. Well, the magic of radio, the audience can yeah, imagine that it's round. they were picturing it was round until mm-hmm. you said it. I yeah. looked well, at it. Well, we're seated in a semicircle. You could say that, I suppose. Next to a cliff (laughs) over a magical city, (laughs) a kingdom of glittering castles and airships. It's a radio. They can know. It's not even radio. It's podcast. Painting a picture. It's radio. You're of the future. Whoa. Speaking of which, robots all over the place. Audience can't see it. They're with us right now. Anyway, on this we cliff. watched the film. What was the point you were called? <laughs> Sorority Row. Sorority Row. A remake Sorority Row. of the '83 film, The House on Sorority Row, which I think I may have watched, but immediately, like when I looked at it on uh, IMDb, I couldn't tell whether I'd seen it or not because all of those early '80s sorority sorority slashers are so interchangeable. But that, that one was a remake yeah. of Catfish Row, right? <laughs> Cannery Row. Cannery Row. That's what I meant. That was a good one. I, think, I like to think I'm that 20-some years from now, I will look back and wonder you whether or not I actually the... saw Sorority Row. Yeah. So, I am going to write – I keep a list of – each year I keep a list of the movies I see that year. I'm going to write down this one, and I guarantee you next year when I look back on this list, I'll be like, what was that? Must have been a Flophouse movie. I don't know. Yeah. Now, um, it's interesting that they changed the title. I wonder if they – there's sort of like a, a double entendre, if you will. What, like uh, a row meaning an argument? Yeah, so, you know, the house on Sorority Row is very clearly is that. that but the sorority is Row. Is that a row? Well, but it's the same Listen, word. Yeah, okay. Sorority Row sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, maybe it's, well, you think Sorority Row, there might have been a row boat in it, but oh. there's none. No, I guess, I, I mean, as much as I scoff at your pun idea, it's the only <laughs> way that this title makes sense because like house on sorority row you're like okay there's a there's a there's a lane full of sorority right. houses and this is one of them but just sorority row it sounds like it should take place in more than one house but yeah, it doesn't yeah. and it does not at all in no. fact there's not i don't even think we see another house in the movie no we see the interior of a therapist's modern that's house that's true that's true and there's a restaurant somewhere that's really dimly lit yes that a senator eats at <laughs> Okay, but let's <laughs> sorry. Are we getting let's sort of stuff? summarize the film. There's there's this group of sorority girls, the Theta Pi girls, seniors. Uh huh. There's the nice one. There's seniors at College State University. No, no. Let's first of all let's define them by oh, their okay. one trait. Well, okay. there's the nerd Ellie. Uh huh. Played by Rumor Willis in her second uh, sorority house themed film after the House Bunny. There's uh no um there's the bitch who's kind of the leader of the group Jessica. Mm-hmm. Right. There's Claire. She's Asian. Yeah. There's Chugs. Who, right. is, who we thought at first was named Jugs and then thought was named Chunks. <laughs> but she, she is the drunk who is also a slut. And then there's Cassidy, played by Step Up to the Street star. Whatever, Rihanna Evigan. Evigan. And uh, she is the... She becomes basically the, the, right. the main character of the movie. And there's also the soon-to-be-dead 
uh, Megan, played by Audrina Partridge. Was that? Uh, who? I, I guess so. I believe that that's is what correct. you told uh, us. TV's The Hills, a show that I have managed to avoid watching entirely. It's weird because I've seen it a little bit of it, and it's like it's a series based on The Hills Have Eyes, right? <laughs> I think because it doesn't seem to be anything like there that. There are hideous mutants in it. There are, but they're not inbred Hick murderers. They're no. just you know, not like, Hick anyway. Yeah, their mutations <laughs> appear to be all plastic surgery based. Right in the chestal region <laughs> and the facial region. Yeah, they're not cannibals per se. So the film <laughs> per se, <laughs> but in a larger social sense, in a, in a, yeah. aren't we all cool. cannibals? <laughs> but um, so the film begins with them. Uh, it's a big party at the sorority house. Yeah, and the girls have gotten together to do a hilarious prank on one of their cheating boyfriends. On no, it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's a, Megan. It's Megan's cheating boyfriend, um, and who's also Chugs's brother, mm, right. Garrett. Right. And uh, so uh, they have ro- they have pretended to ha- ha- roofie this girl, right? To have yes. him roofie they, they, they gave her. they gave fake roofies to him to give to her, so that they can teach him a lesson that involves her spinning up all over him and appearing to be sick and dying. Mm-hmm. Then, or just like basically dead, like she overdosed on roofies. Right? Yeah, and they must dispose of the body. Yeah, they're trying to play a trick on him to make him think that he's a murderer. Uh-huh. Uh, as sorority girls, yeah, they, it they is do. funny. It is funny thinking about it now. And but unfortunately, things go a little too far, and he ends up shoving a tire iron through her chest and actually killing her. Mm-hmm. Once they get to an old mining quarry that's been abandoned. Yeah, true. So... In this in this college town, at one point, the college town's main industry was a quarry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true of Bloomington, Indiana. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. That's a fun fact about Bloomington, guys. <laughs> so they dump the body down, and... Um, they dump it into, a, into like, a big hole. Yeah, and uh, our Cassidy, is that her name? Yes. Yeah. Our, our, our nice girl, she wants to call the police, but everyone else worried about uh, their futures or being pressured into being worried about the futures by the uh, bitch. Yeah, Jessica, yeah. the blonde one who's the bitch... Spends roughly seventy-five minutes convincing them not to go to the police, but by saying the same thing over and over yes. and over again. This right. is a very talky thirty, uh, like forty uh, hour and forty minute, yeah, uh, slasher movie. And they convince Cassidy to go along with this by saying that they'll all claim that she was at fault, right? If, yeah, if the, she does not. Jessica's mm-hmm. point, which which you know, there's there's merit to, I suppose, was that why should all of their lives be ruined? By one stupid thing that they did, yeah. which was killing someone, merely because they took the life of a friend. <laughs> why should they have? Why should they be the ones to pay? What's exactly. fair about that? Exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> more to the point, though, um, she would be more, I think, in, in trouble being, I think, the mastermind of the. Uh, That's true, the and prank. also the girlfriend of the son of a senator, mm-hmm. who, as he mentions, there's rumors about him being a possible VP pick. Mm. And he has the bland looks for it. Yes, yeah. He he's like a movie senator. Yeah, you know. And so uh, eight months pass, and lo and behold, a baby is born. <laughs> <laughs> lo and behold, someone knows what they did last eight months ago. <laughs> no, that's not a different movie. <laughs> oh, okay. someone is final destinationing. <laughs> it's not even. I don't understand. Uh, the Rosemary's ring. Rosemary's baby. <laughs> 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 but uh someone is video droming. Okay, that they don't even get that reference, <laughs> Elliot. Oh, all right. 
And lo and behold, um, people basically just start getting picked off, slasher movie style. By a killer using a, a tire, tire iron. iron. With knives on the ends. Mm-hmm. A yeah. pimped out tire iron, as one of the characters says. Yes. yes. And he has several of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, he put a lot, there's a lot of, uh, you know, he, he invested a lot in those tire irons. Yeah, we yeah. watched it Time, on... Time, money... We watched it on, on demand. We didn't have the DVD. I'd like to think that there was a, an extra on the DVD <laughs> about the tire irons. I would hope so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I would want to see. Constructing a killer's tool, it's called. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. I would watch that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that there's actually much to say about the movie plot-wise, though, because as you would guess, people start getting picked off one by one. They and... get picked off one by one. The sorority girls are really irritating. Cassidy is... Trying to get to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. um, while everything falls apart around her. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher is in it. We didn't mention. Hole. Yes, Carrie she Fisher. is the sorority house mother who shows up in about four scenes. Slash space princess. Slash space princess. Yeah, and she had. There's some like we can get to it after the plot development, but there's some okay, okay kill scenes. There's yeah. a big sorority house party. Mm-hmm. A sorority uh, house massacre. Huh? There's a sorority house massacre. That's another sorority house movie. One of those. Eric. Okay. You don't need to lean in every time you have something to say. I, I set the levels. Right. No, I know. But sometimes I want to be pointed <laughs> This is pointed a little peek behind the, the curtain. That will be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> so they, there's a lot of craziness and zaniness, and they run around getting killed, and then eventually, should we reveal who the killer is? Please do. It is Cassidy's boyfriend. What? Who will do anything to protect her, including murder. But that's... Murder. People. But that's the one person who it would hurt our heroine most if it turned out that that was the killer. And yet it does. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And they have to fight their way out, her and Megan's sister and Ellie the nerd, in a burning down sorority house mm-hmm. uh, to escape this monster of a guy uh-huh. who did this. And they do. And they also, do, at the uh, end. Who was also the valedictorian. He was also the valedictorian, out. that's true. He Which gave a speech. So good at he gave a speech irons. about how people will be judged by the company they keep at the graduation, and he realizes that his girlfriend keeps company with bitches, as he yeah. says. He did say now, that. it's unlikely, in general, that a valedictorian is a killer, However, it is more likely that a valedictorian is a, like a criminal mastermind, like this guy. Yeah, right. I apparently guess. is. I mean, he devised these uh, tire iron based weapons and uh, and his cunning traps, uh-huh. a game of cat and mouse. Yeah, where he would text people and tell them to go places, and then they would. <laughs> and he would. He also he you know had the brilliant idea to wear the the robe. That conceals him, but is also the graduation robe that everyone mm. is wearing because it's graduation week. Ironic, kind of. Mm. Not I'm not really. sure that's irony. But Again, uh, like I know what you did last summer where the killer is dressed up as a fisherman yeah. in a fishing village. The exactly. Gorton's fisherman, particularly, yeah. I think. Sure. Well, I don't think that he specifically like looked at a, <laughs> a Gordon. I assume there's uh, a scene where the, where the killer like... picks up a package of fish sticks and is like, hmm, I found the answer I seek. <laughs> A package of fish sticks gets thrown through his window late at night, <laughs> and he's like, I, uh, I shall become a fish stick. No, wait, that's stupid. Teen, <laughs> teen murderers are a superstitious and cowardly lot. <laughs> yep. They will fear me if I'm a fisherman. Uh, uh, but they, and uh, the, As the movie goes on, the characters seem to become more and more blasé about the murders that are being committed, until by the end... Uh, Jessica and Cassidy rush into a, a, ro- a bathroom to escape the killer. They pull across the shower curtain, and the body of their friend Megan is hanging there, and it's 
almost half rotted away. Yeah. It's just a skeleton. Desiccated. One of her eyeballs is still in it. It's de- and it's disgusting. And Jessica goes like, "She looks terrible." And they don't even <laughs> yeah. they don't aren't even interested. Like at that <laughs> point. And it's no, but it's also like this weird ADR like thing. Like it's like this just like tossed in. It's like watch out for snakes. So like that MSP <laughs> in, in Ega. Yeah, it was like okay, we got to joke this up a little in post. It's weird. This they very. It feels like they wanted to this to be like a Jennifer's body type thing where everyone fest. and everyone's got like a sharp zinger, mm-hmm. and there's right. a lot of like. You know, although that didn't really kick in until the last third of the movie, like the first two thirds, I don't think they were doing a whole. Except lot of that. for Chugs, well, Chugs except always for like had that. Chugs had but that. once Chugs died, I feel like everyone had to pick up the pace. Mm. I don't know. Pace right the off the bat, one of the characters is like, "Oh, you know, having sex, like having sex with roofies, you, you get to have sex and a good night's sleep." Oh, and right. it's like, it, oh, ha 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 ha. It's rape. Chugs who says that. Yeah, you know. And there was another. There was another rape. It's there was not the, really, Chugs. It's also, not really like Heather's level. Of, no, it's not, not exactly. Chugs also. It's the not great exactly line. the Lady Eve level witticisms. <laughs> Chugs' other great line of "I, I don't want to play a game of find me, rape me." Yeah, that's right. When her therapist that she gets <laughs> prescription drugs from, uh, she walks into his house. He's, he's apparently fucking everyone. He's Doctor Rosenberg. That's yes. all we know about him. She walks into his bedroom and he's handcuffed to the bed and he goes, "My last patient left early." But we could always finish off where my last session ended. And he offers her prescription drugs, and she goes, "Okay." And then like, well, no, she doesn't say okay. She's like, "Fine, uh, fine." Like yeah. she's like, just another depressing uh, transaction of sex for drugs in the <laughs> life of Chugs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's Chugs. Da da da. But that's before uh, the therapist dies for some reason, and uh, yeah, he gets it. He gets the, and that the first the, tire, and that iron, leads actually. to the best scene in the movie yes, in my absolutely, opinion absolutely concur. which is chugs's death scene well describe it why don't you chugs has picked up a bottle of alcohol uh from a table mm, sounds delicious and while she's waiting for the therapist to come out and have sex with her in exchange for drugs this is a movie that was made <laughs> uh this is a movie for entertainment and uh <laughs> she's lying teens, down probably yes well it's rated r that's the thing i was reading up a little bit before before the beforehand about this because i didn't know that much about it mm-hmm. and apparently they were thinking of making this a pg-13 movie and then decided to go all the way and make it an r movie Rated which is r. why mm-hmm. which that is why we see Mr. a movie phone which well. is why we see a very small amount of nudity and they say the f word a couple times I, it's not that small i would say for a modern horror film there's a fairly substantial amount of nudity but for a horror film in general for a horror film in general no but i mean that's encompassing such a <laughs> Such such, such uh, gro- grotesque and wonderful highs in the seventies <laughs> and eighties. Oh, but anyway, so she's waiting for Dr. Rosenberg to show up to have sex with her for drugs, and uh, she's lying down on the therapist's couch, drinking out of this bottle. And then the killer appears over her and seems to, you with it seems to take the tire iron and slam it against the end of the bottle, yeah. so that it comes gets shoved down her mouth into her throat. Then slams it again, so it gets pushed even farther into <laughs> her throat, and. Uh, what happens after well, that? And you see the liquid is like he, like, pouring into her mouth, and then he hits it again, and then there's like the bottle blood. Cracks yeah. The bottle cracks and kind of fills with blood. But it's yeah. such a ridiculous death yeah. scene, and it's so much more... That moment is so much more horrifying than I expected anything in the movie to be. So. Yeah. No, it was it was good. It was definitely... They, they got points for that. Yeah, I mean, in, in general, one thing that the movie seemed to take a little care of was the death scenes. Yes. I mean, there was that, you know, there was the guy who was going down a dumb waiter and was stopped by the uh, tire iron going in right in front of him, and then it slowly shifted up so another prong of the tire iron would uh, pierce his throat. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there the one the the flare gun death was a little lame. It was it was a little lame, but it was it it got a few points for being in a bunch of like bubbles. So what you would see was this person being yanked under these uh this this huge mass of bubbles. Uh, they had a cable tied to their leg basically, and they got yanked under, and it looked like the beginning of Jaws, where the woman gets yanked under. By the shark. Right. If Jaws had took, taken place in a big bubble bath. Uh-huh. If someone had dumped some Mr. Bubble in the sea. <laughs> the original script of Jaws did take place in a bubble bath. Really? I didn't realize that. <laughs> when I we got to shut down this bath. No, the, it's the big season. <laughs> and in the Benchley novel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he was um, a big proponent of bubble, bubble baths. But I, but I do think it was disappointing. Like, Chugs was the first <laughs> of the girls to go, and her nickname was Chugs, and she literally died, you know, chugging yeah. the mm-hmm. bottle. And so it, it's just sort of, it feels like they missed something. They could have nicknamed you, all the, the You wanted people. to be more of like a seven scenario. Yeah. You know, where, where like, everyone was... Oh, like, everyone's hoisted by their own petard. Exactly. Yeah, where was the petard hoisting? <laughs> there was no petard hoisting. That's the point. A lot of they... petards went unhoisted in this yes. film. Yes. There was one uh, petard at the beginning of the movie that there was had a, a petard. petard flap open, and there well, was the, thoughts on a trampoline. It, it opens in this huge sorority party at this sorority house. It's There must be 7,000 people at this party. Approximately. And there is a trampoline in the middle of the foyer uh, with... <laughs> Girls jumping on it, and they're in long underwear with the with the flaps in the back hanging open. Yeah. And, I, and there's something really hilarious about it because it's like, see, nudity, but at the same time they're wearing like prospector old under, like <laughs> yeah. long underwear. You know, the least maybe the least sexy garment that's ever been worn under clothing. Well, but True. it's not. Let's let's make it clear though. It's not like bright red woolen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like no. you weren't going to mistake underwear. them for Walter Brennan. It wasn't quite. <laughs> no, that I don't extreme. know. I mean, these were like these were basically just like pink onesies yeah. with like an opening in the back. I yeah. guess I still think it was funny, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But um, Eric, you look like you have something you want to say. No, I actually don't. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I mean, there that isn't, was a dead end. There guy. isn't two. I mean, the movie is very poorly directed. Oh, it's very uh, poor, yes, or very poorly shot. I guess we could say. Uh, well, I think it's interesting because I actually think, in a way, it's shot. Well, it's just it doesn't make any sense. Like it's very it's very handheld and very like you know jumpy, which theoretically could create tension, except that it's not directed that way. The characters are all standing still. It's just the yeah. camera that's moving. Well, and I give it credit at least on the sense that it's while it's handheld, it's handheld in a uh, a non crazy way. If that makes sense, right. like it's not doing that thing that I really hate. In all uh, modern horror movies, we're like, okay, if we like make it look like the shutter speed's really screwed up, or if we do like oh, random flashes of light and like just like really. Quick and they had cuts. they had like one moment of slow motion in the beginning, and then they didn't do that. They didn't do that very much, which <laughs> yeah, I mean, which gets overdone a lot. It was it was much it was a more classic mode of filming than most uh, <laughs> excuse me horror movies today. Recently. It's just that. The problem was they would shoot like half of a face or just a person's midriff, and you would be like, right. "Where is everyone in relation to everyone else?" Yeah, who is this? Well, and I um I forgot to mention the other best scene in the movie, as far as I'm concerned, which is uh, Carrie Fisher's fight scene. Oh yeah, it's very good. Yes. Well, any movie you can say that about Carrie Fisher's fight scene, you can use those, those words. Well, she show, to set it up, she shows up back. I mean, she we see her in the beginning, and then she disappears for a good forty minutes or so. Yeah, uh, and she and they shows, probably had like. A day of shooting with her, right? You know, but they like she the, had to prepare for her show off uh, her her Broadway one man show. 
A uh, one-woman show, actually. They, when it's a woman, they call it a one-woman show. Really? Yeah. When did they start that? Women's lib. <laughs> All right. It seems like it'd be the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that's... Really? I mean, well, one-person well, one, show. Yeah, one actor. Oh, one-person... Well, act... Yeah. One right. thespian show. We're on a show. slippery slope, fellas. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she just Ladies, appears. write in and tell us what you're, na- what you're, what call- what you you're calling your, your stage pieces. <laughs> your solo <laughs> stage pieces. Yeah. But so she she's like left them to have the house on their own. That's the tradition because they're seniors. They've just graduated. The senior girls get to free reign of the house. For one day. For one night. And so she comes back and they've, of course, had a giant party and trashed the place. Now, yes, a few people have been murdered in it. But I don't think Carrie Fisher knows. She that doesn't at this know point. that yet. No, yeah. and she shows up with a shotgun, <laughs> <laughs> the pump action shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then she immediately uh, she pops one of her charges in the nose with <laughs> she, that yeah, shotgun. Yeah, she she hits Jessica in the face with the butt of it. Right. I mean, granted, Both. Jessica has an axe that she almost swings that at Carrie Fisher. She does swing it at Carrie Fisher. She just misses her. Yeah. But why she has the shotgun in the first place? <laughs> a little and, unclear. And then she goes to the kitchen, and the killer is stalking her, and she's just blasting away with this shotgun, and she has, like, a million rounds in it. Well, you and have she- to think that, like, I guess Carrie Fisher, like, on her weekend away from the sorority house, she was down at the shooting range. I mean, that's how she gets out her... Or aggression. she's a hitman or something, or a bounty <laughs> yeah, hunter. could be. Oh, wow, I want to see that movie. Yeah. But, but also, we should mention... Sorority it- hitman. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that, when you watch these movies, have your cliche checklist, uh, they did have a few great ones. One in that scene where her uh, her shotgun, of course, you know, she's shooting like crazy, and then it finally jams at the moment when the killer is when, right coming at her. her. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, And she almost gets it done in time, but not quite. There was also, earlier in the movie, there was uh, a, a girl in a basement with a flashlight, and the flashlight, of course, starts, you know, getting dim, yeah. which I've never actually seen... That happened that way, where it gets a little bit dim, and then you shake it, and you get a little bit, and then it go, and then it just dies completely. Have you ever had that? I think I may actually have had that. I, flashlight I don't experience. remember. All right, okay. but I mean, I don't carry around flashlights a lot. But that's also she's in the basement of a sorority house, and she finds like a corner of hell in it. Like just there's she she finds a place where it's all lit red, and there it's, it's you know they make it look like there's flame going on somewhere. Like maybe she's reached just the hot water heater or the boiler, but it looks like there's like a blast furnace or a or yeah. a foundry like in the basement of this <laughs> sorority house. Now, Eric, you said that you worked with Carrie Fisher on like a Lifetime movie. Uh, it was Oxygen, true? actually. Oxygen. I did. Oh. Uh, what was it called? It was called Romancing the Bride. Actually, oh, okay. I did three movies for Oxygen. Uh, I had a little stretch where that, that was what I was doing. Um, and I just, I, had a, I actually, I played a uh, a Mexican hotel worker. <laughs> <laughs> it took place Zuckerman. in Mexico. Yes. <laughs> You following uh, Eli Wallach in the the tradition of Jewish guys playing Mexicans? Yes, well, that was my motivation certainly. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it took place in Mexico. It was a um, uh, I spoke no English in the. I mean, I, I had one line basically that was in uh, in Spanish actually. So it, yeah, uh, and leave it to yo. That's what it was. Leave it to me, but in oh, Spanish. Oh, interesting. Because you said your line and right, the other thing the was other leave thing. it to me. But no, different. I don't always say this. Leave our meals. I'm not, I'm not Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like, it's not like I have a catchphrase. <laughs> I thought that's your catchphrase. Leave <laughs> no. it to me. No, that's not. There was one line and one thing. Everyone was waiting at home when Dan was like, can you say your line in John Adams? Everyone was oh, like, man. yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. when you said it, they went, yeah. I have all these leave it to me t-shirts with your face on it that I was going to give out as prizes. Wow. No. 
Uh, but yeah, she was she was actually she was great. She played the the mother of the bride, and um, I had a little bit of interaction with her, not a whole lot, but uh, you know, she's a character. But she was great, character Fisher. Did you <laughs> nice? <laughs> you not know, see? No. <laughs> oh, really? I and mean, did meh. you hand her the script for Sorority Row? <laughs> I have something that I think you'd be No, but actually for. thinking about it, Because I was, he's her agent. <laughs> yep. I, I, was, I was saying, you should really be a house mother <laughs> at a sorority where things go crazy. But if that happens, bring a shotgun. Well, this leads into the other question I was going to ask you, which is... Uh, now, you work, aside from acting, you work in casting. Yes. Now, watching this film... What were the big casting mistakes? How would you have cast things I, differently? You, you can't look at it. Th- I mean, you know, not to deflect your question, but that's sort of an unfair to way to look at anything. I, I personally, I think a lot of people say a movie is badly cast when the reality is that it's just badly written. Mm. Like, I don't I mean, they were certainly archetypes. They were certainly different girls. Mm-hmm. You One know? of them was Asian. So exactly. That's... Which stood out. And they bit. all had large chests. Uh-huh. Nah. But different kinds of large chests. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, no, I think, I mean, this kind of movie, you, you know, I don't know. The 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 casting didn't bother me, per se. Okay. I don't know. That's sort of an evasive answer, I suppose. There's just so little, I mean, there's so little to, the thing is, there's nothing to this movie. There was no, like, I mean, we were joking about it watching, like, a little at the beginning, that, that the Chugs character seemed to be... I thought she was bulimic. Uh, this is why I thought her nickname was Chunks or Chucks. Cause <laughs> Chucks, she, yeah. Because she threw up. She was kissing a guy. And he's like, you taste like vomit. And her response was, yeah, I just threw up. But I took a mint, so you're okay. Uh, <laughs> which he didn't uh, He didn't then go through with. I liked that moment because yeah. she's he's like a freshman and she's and they're in the kitchen of the sorority house and she's kissing him. And says, you taste like throw up. And she says, blah, blah. And then she sits on the tile and she's like, oh, I forgot to wear underwear. It's cold here. Will you warm me up? And he's like, uh, I'm kind of grossed out by yeah. this. And, and like, I liked that there was one character in the movie who wasn't like, I'm, uh, this is what I do as I have sex. This is uh, all about yeah. college. Like, yeah. You're reprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can have some standards here, Chugs. But we did not, we did not follow that guy. I kind of wish the movie had been about him. Yeah. Um, and 30 years later, when he realizes, oh, I could have had sex with that girl. Why didn't I do that? Right. Oh, that would be interesting. Later on. Yeah. He's, but, in, he's, he's happily in a, in a relationship, but he's still kind of like, oh, man, I should have I been crazier when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it's a wistful character study. And then he's like, well, she's dead. I can't have sex with her uh-huh. anymore. She got killed in that horrible massacre. <laughs> Remember <laughs> on that? On Sorority Row. Well, that's that the thing. weird. The end of the... Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that guy, we didn't go to that party, right? right? <laughs> the end of the movie, they've rebuilt the sorority house that burned down, and it's right. like the next year, and there's a big party again. And it's like, did we? Did nothing get learned from the sorority the massacre well, that took place? Well, that's the moral of the film. That's the, it's right. an indictment of the Greek system. It, it certainly <laughs> it is. It certainly yeah. is. You mean democracy? <laughs> yeah. No, there I is. mean... Uh, uh, Socratic dialogue? I mean anal sex is what I'm talking about. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Eric is shocked. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jaw dropped open. Girl? Uh, Flophouse Blue. But no, it ends with the, the girl who's the daughter of... Uh, the the daughter. sister. Sister, daughter. The... I had a Chinatown thing. I couldn't... Spoiler alert. Two apart. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone who hasn't seen Chinatown... <laughs> Sorry. Ghost Rider in theaters now. <laughs> uh, but the sister of Megan, who's the one killed at the beginning... 
becomes a character. She shows up later and is supposed to, I guess, be a red herring that maybe yeah. she's the killer. You're supposed to think she's the Even killer. Even though she's like, I don't know. Like she weighs pounds. like, yeah, 80 pounds. And if it if it came out that she was the one killing these people, you'd just be like, what? that's insane. She could never actually do that. Yeah, yeah. but she wasn't. No, but she was bitchy. Uh, but it does, it ends with her having joined the sorority in the new house. The sorority that killed her sister and also where she almost died in a fire and by tire iron. Yeah. And yet she's there with feathered hair, uh, partying up, partying with the other Theta Pies. Yeah, mm-hmm. Theta Pie is the sorority. So, and then there's a last shot, which Uh-oh. implies that another character from the movie, the crazy brother Garrett, who you thought had been had slit his own throats and then been hit by his slit his wrists and then got hit by a car. Well, you didn't think that those things did happen. You saw it happen <laughs> on screen, but you thought he was dead as a result. Right. Yes, but that he is uh, back. Right. As one of the gardeners working at the new sorority house. And it's really not that so much of a surprise. So it sets it up for sorority row two. It was not that mm-hmm. much of a surprise that, that he wasn't dead because the one thing the girls were not very good at was uh, making sure that people were dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Megan ultimately was, but they weren't all that sure that she was. Well, and they the- also weren't good at um, watching people who were only pretending to be dead. <laughs> yeah, because at the true. beginning, they're all like, okay, well, let's all turn the, our our backs on our sorority sister who is pretending to be dead and walk off pretending to look for sharp rocks to dismember the body, which is absurd. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, well, we'll leave the distraught guy behind with the body and then we'll just turn our backs. Have fun. Next thing you know, he plunges a tire iron into her chest. Yeah. To let the air out of her lungs. So that she won't float to the top of, I assume, water, but then they throw her into a dry well. <laughs> There's really yep. no reason... There's, there's also, like, there are certain points when the movie just decides that it's not going to care anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, Cassidy is going is being lowered into the hole that they dropped the Megan's body in to see if she's still there. And she gets, and the chain that they're lowering her on breaks, and she falls to the ground, and she sees that on the wall in blood it says, Theta Pi must die. Which shows a lot of commitment on the part of the killer, by the yes. way. That's yeah. Absolutely. Well, he was the valedictorian. Okay. Good point. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh... He goes all out, A for effort. Yeah, but, uh, oh, sure. And then it's like, I don't remember, I, I missed if there was a line that was like, well, we've got some rope, like, she's just stuck at the oh, bottom yeah, of the well, yeah. cut to the next scene, the, they walk back into the house. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. did she climb out? What happened? I think she climbed out. That's my thought. I mean, I have my own, there, there were gaps that I filled with my own. To be fair, know? Elliot, would the movie have been better if we saw her climbing out in a rope? I think the Perhaps. movie might have been better if they had to deal with the fact that she was at the bottom of a well and there was a killer after them. Yeah. Listen, that could have been the whole movie listen, right there. If the wind I've got up- a movie co- for you. It's called The Ruins. You can watch <laughs> that film. If the wind-up bird chronicle can have its main character at the bottom of a well for like a hundred pages. Spoiler uh, alert. He, he, uh, okay. <laughs> then... Well, Haruki yeah, Murakami fans. This Spoiler one, alert. Yeah, Haruki Murakami wrote Sorority Row, right? <laughs> okay. That's why there was a cat in it. Named what? Niboro Watanabe. He did an uncredited polish along with the. That's why the characters spend so much time making pasta and doing their laundry. Well, it's also why the movie doesn't make any sense. That's probably Morikami fans because he did a polish on it, but he did it in Japanese and they never translated it. Oh, I getcha. Well, we should uh, wrap Ooh. up our discussion. We've been talking for a while. We had a lot more to say about Sorari Row than I thought we would. Oh, you always feel that way. <laughs> You're right. You always think that there's nothing to be said about a movie, and then uh, then the tape starts rolling. And, uh, yeah, just we record on tape. <laughs> yes. Dan has a DAT machine. <laughs> We're actually taping over a mixtape that Dan made. 
<laughs> He's got so, so you might hear li- little bits of uh, tears for fears or yeah. uh, uh, the string cheese incident. I'm glad that I, your podcast listeners should <laughs> feel good that I'm recording over my treasured memories. That's right. He's got a he's got a circa 1987 boombox, mm-hmm. and he's got the record and play button pressed together. <laughs> he has to hold them down with his fingers, though. Right, they don't stay down anymore. Yeah. All right. All right. So, we're speaking into the tiny microphone slits <laughs> on the side of the boombox. The uh, what we do now is we render our final judgments before uh, God, <laughs> before consigning Sorority Row to the trash heap of Flophouse episodes. <laughs> and uh, the categories are: was this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie that you actually enjoyed in some way? And uh, I'm gonna give you time to stew on that, Eric. I'm gonna go to Stu. See, he can't. He can't he not can't bring Stuart up Stuart. Off his mind. Exactly. Yeah. Well, wait. So is it my turn? You. Oh, You're you know what? I um, I don't think I'm gonna go as far as to say this is a movie I actually liked a little bit. But I maybe it's just that my mind has been ruined by all the really terrible movies we watched before this one. But I'm gonna upgrade it from bad bad to good bad. There were a couple okay kills in it. It went by very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of cleavage in it. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to Whiteout, this was a nonstop thrill ride. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's just that this is coming after a couple movies in a row that were like not that were really mind vaporizing. But I'm going to give this good bad status. Yeah, wow. Eric, do you want to weigh in? Um, yeah, I well, so those are my three categories. Uh, I uh, or you can abandon them. We I may really abandon don't. them a little bit just because I I think that it is it is a I would put it in that category of it is exactly what you expect it to be, no better, no worse. Like, I always sort of hope those movies will be better than I think they are, but realistically, this is exactly what I expected it to be. See, where I'm going to differ with you is I've seen enough bad movies that I can say that this is actually better than I expected it to be. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I feel that way too. Um, I mean, just because, like, it's I feel still like crappy. <laughs> yes, but so many modern horror, uh, especially like teen horror remakes, are completely boring. Um, they don't they don't offer any sort of like yeah movie like prom night yeah they don't offer any sort of disreputable thrills. Like what I have to say about this movie is to me it straddles uh, a movie I kind of enjoyed and a a good bad movie mm-hmm. simply on the basis of it seeming to want to be trashy it's like making a few stabs in that direction stabs mm-hmm. wordsmith mm-hmm. with ladies uh, snap them up with the kills and the <laughs> cleavage and the some nudity and the just like silly like attempts of being like goofy and, and there were some real like over the top moments that yeah. were kind of there fun were. there definitely were it, it was- had like it's a movie where they, like the characters have gone all through all the stuff and yelling, and then it ends with them like walking away from the burning house in slow mo while some kind of like, you know, girl pop power yeah. anthem plays in the background. I think you know? if they had just if they could have just cut like ten minutes off of it and just moved it faster, well, that's I think the it problem. Been, yeah, there should have been, been less really entertaining, less talk and more. The entertaining yeah, stuff action. is, uh, you know, between it's buffered by long scenes of people talking to each other and saying absolutely nothing. Yeah. So. It's like a video game that has really long like scenes between the levels. Cut scenes. Yeah, cut scenes. And you're like, I don't really care like what Samus Aran's father is doing right now. Like we could just I'll just shoot more Metroids, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh I don't understand either. 
That's for I'll, all the listeners that don't get what you're talking about. Metroid, really? one of the most popular video game series ever. Metroid. Okay, well, how about this? I don't really care what Yoshi is up to. I just want to fight more Bowsers. How about that? Yeah. Fight more Bowsers? <laughs> yeah, you know, the Bowser family. Okay. <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe some Koopas, some Goombas. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. That Super Mario Brothers? Yes. Okay. Oh, he found a way. Okay, like I saw the movie. This. I saw the movie. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know the characters. I don't, wanna, I don't care. Movie. How about this? I don't care what uh, Ms. Pac-Man is up to right now. Oh, I know this one. I just want to eat more power pellets. Asteroids. Okay. No. no. All right. We're moving on. Uh, you know what? I don't really care what these Pongs are doing. <laughs> I just want to Pong more Pong. <laughs> I feel like I should know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> All right, so this is the uh, letter section. This is my now, favorite part. We have a final few um, entries in the Give Dan a Hook competition, and I want to say some, some listeners have discovered it already. I've put up a poll on the website uh, to find it. P-O-L-L. <laughs> I, I don't know why I found it funny. There something... is laughing so childishly. There was a P-O-L-L. <laughs> I put up a giant was... erect penis. <laughs> Way you emphasized it. <laughs> Snap I've, him up, ladies. I've put a poll on the um, on the website <laughs> that people can vote on um, their be- their favorite suggestion for my uh, hook to make me more a more memorable member of the flop house. Because team. as we've noted many times on the show, Dan is the uh, Leonardo or the Cyclops of the group. Mm-hmm. He is the necessary leader, holds us together, inspiring, noble, unmemorable. Nobody likes not, him. Not thrilling. Oh, as opposed so, to I, I, yeah, the, I already have a catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, in one episode, you become in, in, have more of a hook than Dan does. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna. It's already on the website, but I'll put a link in this show's notes too. Uh, and whatever gets the most votes, the person who uh, made that suggestion will get fabulous prizes. But mm. anyway, uh, some last minute suggestions from Ben. Last name withheld. Hmm. Um. In the quest for Dan's hook, I think Dan <laughs> Wait, should... right away, I'm watching that movie. <laughs> the, <laughs> the quest, quest for, for Dan's hook. Four uh, adventurers will join forces. I think Dan should turn to his secret weapon. I happen to know that Dan does a good imitation of Sir Michael Caine, star of stage and screen. It's true. It is true. My thought is that his hook could be rendering the final judgments in the style of various Michael Caine characters. Thrill, as Alfred Elkins calls Powder Blue... Derivative claptrap. <laughs> Wonder as Jack Carter trashes from Justin to Kelly for its terrible art direction. Dare to keep from wetting yourself as Alfred Pennyworth deconstructs Bratz to the clickening. The possibilities are endless and will further, further cement Dan's place in the Podcast Hall of Fame in construction now in Pierre, South Dakota. Uh, P.S. Stewart left out the highest form of comedy in his criticism of the ugly truth, the animal double take. I trust this will be rectified. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Stuart has much of, to say on the animal double take. Yeah. Now, uh, Ben was l- scooped a little by Ashley, who, who also put in Michael Caine as an alternate to her mm. mournful sighing. But uh, mm. I want to bring up this Michael Caine thing, <laughs> because... Your, your hook is either an imitation of Michael Caine or mournful sighing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eric, you and I hosted a couple of comedy shows as Michael Caine and Bob Hoskins. Yes, I did. I, I saw one of those. I uh, yeah, I uh, played 
Bob Hoskins. You played Michael Caine, which mm-hmm. makes sense because we're talking about your your Michael Caine impression. Yeah, which I feel like I sort of slipped as I was reading, but uh... yeah, I haven't done. I honestly, I don't think I've done uh, my Hoskins since we last did it, which is a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it, it, we didn't prep anything. This is probably not going to happen if you're no, thinking no, no, they're going well, to do. To paint it. a picture for the listeners, it was a lot of uh, us making fun of each other's film choices. It was. in character. As in, like, uh, well, you should you should know Super Mario Brothers because I was like, <laughs> I'd always be like, oh, did you learn that when you were on Super Mario Brothers with John Leguizamo? <laughs> that particular style of acting that you were employing right now, and it would go go on like right, that. and then I would respond in some way like Hassan's, uh <laughs> about the swarm, yeah, or, sure. uh, Jaws the Revenge, Jaws the Revenge. Um, Cider House Rules. No, that's actually it's a quality film. Mm, well, we could argue it later. <laughs> we could, but I'm not <laughs> sure that it would go well. But no, we also we invented a holiday in those shows, which oh, I we? was very proud of. Oh, because I... we held, we we hosted a uh, a a July Fourth show, but it was July that's a holiday. 5th. Oh, but it was July fifth, and so we we made it Good Riddance Day, yeah, which was a British mm. holiday. <laughs> <laughs> they celebrated Good Riddance to the Americans, mm-hmm. and I probably I'm now like Homeland Security is going to be all over me for saying this. On oh the yeah, air. they listen to Gerard Butler and Homeland Security, <laughs> oh, the only no, people who listen to this think, podcast. Well, especially because your uh, hook for me is that I hate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that you're a terrorist, basically. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that you're an anti-government. Not... My hook for Dan gun that nut. I've suggested is he's an anti-government gun nut militia member that's... who loves. He lives in a cabin. He put, he <laughs> he loves the anarchist cookbook. He not puts out a true. he puts out a newsletter called the not Golden true. Eagle. I'm not right, sure but... that's a hook. All right, we're running out of time, so oh, I'm okay. gonna speed through the rest of this. Um, Brendan, last name withheld, says, "I didn't realize the Give Dan a Hook contest was still going, but since it is." Uh, here's my entry. Dan's hooks should be hooks. Literal <laughs> hooks. Dan can be the guy who has hooks for hands, a la Harold Russell from The Best Years of Our Lives. Think about it. Mechanical hooks will win Dan loads of sympathy and possibly even an honorary Oscar. Plus, think of all the sound effects possibilities. Is that a serial killer at the window? Nope. Just Dan's hook <laughs> scraping along a chalkboard. Sometimes the best ideas are the most obvious. This is one of those times. Make Dan's hook hooks. That's not a bad one. He was the only man to win two win two Academy Awards in one year for the same role. That is mm. true. Which is, I was going to say, what, what's the guy's name who wrote this in? Uh, Brendan. Brendan. Last Brendan, name withheld. Brendan withheld. Uh, the last name's like the middle name, right? So it's Brendan withheld. Would yeah, be yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, he's just. I feel like he got it a little bit wrong, implying that Harold Russell only won an honorary. No, uh, he also won he best also supporting won actor. Best supporting actor. Yes. Yeah, so just. Uh, and so was also great in Hollywood in, history. He was mm-hmm. great in Inside Moves as well, which he did not win an Academy Award. <laughs> um, lastly, he couldn't have been that great if he didn't win an Academy Award for it. <laughs> Brian, last name withheld, said, "These are all the same family. Mm-hmm, they're all related." Damn it! When is Elliot going to get his best friend Anne Hathaway on the show as a guest <laughs> host? Not as if Amanda wasn't a great guest. It's just if he's going to continuously name drop Anne Hathaway, <laughs> never do. I never have. Up. Anyway, I think Psy Guy Hook wins just because it gives Elliot so much to work with. That's true. How is Anne Hathaway, by the way? Don't know. Haven't (laughs) seen or talked to her since probably my senior year, her junior year of high school. If we ever talked then. you're a year older than Anne Hathaway. I am. Everyone's on IMDb trying to figure out how old Anne Hathaway is and then figure Mm -hmm. out how old you are. Uh, They could just look up how old (laughs) I am on IMDb. 
because I'm right there. Ooh, I've got an IMDb <laughs> Or Wikipedia. You're on Wikipedia? Yeah. With your age? I mean, it says what year I was born. Well, that, yeah, that's So, Elliot's one up on you, because you're on, just on IMDb. I'm on IMDb, but I don't have my age on IMDb. Actually, a lot of today at the office was spent, we figured out the IMDb fame tracker system, or star tracker, or whatever it is, and we were seeing who in the writing staff is more famous than who else in the writing staff. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you were going to game the system. To make you all much more famous. No, no way. We were just trying to see who's famous. Okay. I was in right in the middle of the writing staff. Huh. That sounds about right. Probably yeah. because of the flop house. Maybe. It could be. Gerard Butler probably gave you a bunch of, of good reviews. He good, puts a lot yeah. of comments on the page, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, guys, uh, <laughs> we should make our recommendations quickly of movies that we've seen recently and actually enjoyed oh. Oh. that one might uh, watch instead of Sorority Row, say, mm-hmm. even though we kind of enjoyed Sorority Row a little bit. But people shouldn't watch it. Yeah, well, I mean, if you like, if you like trash no, horror I, movies, I, I, it's fine, but I would recommend seeing a movie with sorority in the title from the 80s, because at least then you'll have a lot more uh, gratuitous uh, shower scenes. True. Mm-hmm. Don't don't make me out to be the pervert, Elliot. Someone's got to be. No, Stuart's not here. I feel like you guys both gave it a a more you know more positive review than I did, and yet I'm I'm the one that would be saying, listen, if you think you want to see this movie, go see it because it's going to be what you know you're going to get what you what you think you're going to get. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But uh, oh, I'm sure you have an old movie to recommend. Sure, um, I think I will recommend uh, what I saw. I've I have a recommendation and a plug. Bump bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, my recommendation: I recently saw the original, not the original actually, the first sound version of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde with mm-hmm. uh, Frederick March, for oh, which good. he tied for best actor with uh, the star of the Champ. Uh, Why is uh, it Wallace Beery? Wallace Beery. Thank you. Um, but uh, it's. A movie that has a bunch of really good scenes that are mixed in with a bunch of kind of dull, talky scenes. But it's a neat. It's worth watching and like occasionally like skimming through the talky scenes for the scenes with him as Hyde because he's so grot like he looks like a caveman kind of, <laughs> but he's still walking around London talking to people. Um, and when the movie gets kind of violent and crazy, it go- it gets really good and there's some neat things that they do with the camera and neat editing things that they do and a, a really neat fight scene at the end especially from um, a movie from 31 i think yeah. um where it doesn't feel as stagey as a lot of movies back then it feels like a movie from the late 30s in terms of the camera work and the way it is put together as opposed to a movie from the early 30s and that's probably because it's directed by ruben mamoulian who was more into experimenting with what he was doing uh so that's the one i'd recommend Netflix. That was one I recommend flixing, or Netflixing. Is that what they say? Is that the? Is that I think so. Not what they say. But if you're looking to see a movie in person, just let them go. Then uh, this this episode will be up before April seventh, right? Yes. On April seventh, if you're in the New York area, I'll have my next closely watched film screening. It's the movie Kill. Uh, exclamation point! Exclamation point! Kiru. Uh, it's a Japanese movie from 1968, uh, and it is a it is a samurai action satire. Um, and it's very good, and I'd recommend it. And uh, cartoonist Evan Dorkin will be joining us to talk about the film afterwards. Best known for Milk and Cheese. Milk uh, and Cheese, Dork. He just had a series recently called Beasts of Burden about writer on, uh, house pets that solve crimes. Space Ghost. Mm-hmm. Coast to Coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Eric, do you have a recommendation? Um, well, I, I, I will go with the last... Uh, 
the last movie, and I also on 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 video, I saw this or, or DVD. Um, <laughs> it's not watching. I VHS. watched mine on VHS. Yeah, so, really? wow. yeah. Wow, uh, it's coming back. But a uh, great movie. I'd seen obviously before, but I recommend anyone who hasn't seen it in a long time. Uh, North by Northwest. Oh sure. Just, I loved it. I'd always thought it was one of my favorites, and I watched it again and was like blown away all again. Just. When you see the movies now that are coming out that are trying to be these adventure sort of comedy, sort of venture, real thriller elements and all those things, and they just don't work, mm-hmm. this is a just such a fantastic example of how you make it all work and a you know brilliant star turn from Cary Grant and uh, they're all really good. James Mason really is James great Mason. in that. Martin Landau is really good in that. Even Marie Saint's good in it's that. It's all great and and it's it's just amazing. It starts so quickly. Leo, Leo G. Carroll. Leo G. Carroll's very good in it. Bernard Herrmann's score is really great. Fantastic. Saul Bass's titles. (laughs) Burns Lehman's screenplay. (laughs) All of these things about it are great. Hitchcock's cameo. (laughs) uh, Trying to get on the bus. Uh, The guy who uh, piloted the crop duster. Right, which, by the way, I didn't realize this. They had an extras. That wasn't planned. Like, that plane actually crashed and blew up. That's not true. <laughs> no, yeah, they, it was all planned. <laughs> Hitchcock was not one of those directors where something would happen. He'd go, no, it was like, go with it, it go was like with Borat. it, make it real, everybody. It was like Borat. They just sat, sent Cary Grant out there. Cary Grant didn't know he happened. was in a movie. Yeah, exactly. They made him think that he was framed for murder and on the run, <laughs> and that people thought he was a spy, and they just wanted to see what would happen. Pretty much. Well, I'm going to recommend a movie that is at best one eighth the thriller that North by North West is. Keep but. selling it. <laughs> So I, well, all I'm saying is, if you if you haven't seen North by Northwest, watch that. But yes, uh, a newer movie that I watched recently that I actually enjoyed a surprising amount was A Perfect Give- Getaway. Oh, with uh, it had uh, Steve Zahn, right? Uh, Timothy Oliphant, Jovovich, Timothy Oliphant, and uh, was written and directed an by. <laughs> and an That's elephant. right. It's an elephant. <laughs> Timothy Elephant. It's written and directed by uh, David Tui, who uh, did Pitch Black, which is a movie a lot of people like, and I think it's just okay. I like Pitch Black. But um, it's no Chronicles of Riddick. But, <laughs> but uh, it's it, a perfect getaway. You know, it's about a couple of honeymooners uh, in Hawaii. <laughs> Wait, it's the honeymooners go to Hawaii. It's about a couple of honeymooners <laughs> in Hawaii who are uh, walking a you know a very like deserted trail to a deserted beach. And the, there's a news item about um, a couple that had been killed, and another couple is supposed to be responsible, and they encounter um, two other couples on this deserted trail. And oh my god, who's the is one of so them it's the like killers? Shoot to kill. Oh, I saw the trailer for this. Recently. It's like shoot to kill, yeah. but with couples. Yeah, and with and it, it's Ralph Cramden and his wife and Art Carney. It, it gets a little <laughs> too cute with like some of the meta stuff about it, like. Mm. Um, one of the characters is a screenwriter and sort of like references certain like thriller tropes, but so it shoot to kill meets scream. But uh, they do have a lot of fun just like setting up <laughs> real thriller plot points and paying them off. And uh, most movies I feel these days like set up thriller plot points and then forget about them. So it's a it's a pleasure just to see a movie that bothers paying off on things. Well, that's good. And uh, I mean, I guess the twist to the film. Basically in the uh, opening credits, but it was still enjoyable even even so. Hmm. It's a movie. And yet yeah. you liked it more than North by Northwest. 
<laughs> no, I don't. I, you said, and I quote, and I think the listeners will back me up on this. Here's a movie that is eight times better that's than what North I by Northwest. That's absolutely what I. Heard. Okay, well, while we let's let's roll back the tape and look at that. But for now, <laughs> we're gonna I'm, look at the tape. That's not gonna tell us anything. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Elliot Kalen. I'm Eric Zuckerman. Good night. Rich rolling tones of Dan McCoy. The rich rolling hills of Dan McCoy. Do you have a mute button for us for like when we're getting out of oh, I wish. You can just go. Nope, no, he doesn't, no. but he wishes, yeah. I would use that on Stuart and Elliot so often. <laughs>